Hi, welcome to another episode of the Visual Storytelling Today podcast. The show is designed for you, the marketer or entrepreneur, who may be looking for more effective ways to connect better with audiences through the exciting world of visual storytelling. We will introduce you to inspiring experts from diverse industries that bring fresh perspectives on how to capture attention, build trust, emotional empathy, and last but not least, drive business results. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Shlomi Ron. I'm the CEO of the Visual Storytelling Institute based here in sunny Miami, Florida. And we are a think tank based on the, the principles of uh, the power of visuals and the really amazing uh, attraction of stories that uh, we all uh, enjoy. Uh, we provide uh, visual storytelling services for brands that want to rise above the communication noise uh, in the areas of consulting, training, and thought leadership. And if you'd like to learn more, check out uh, visualstorytale.com. The topic for today is something I'm really excited about. We're going to talk about how to create cinematic brand videos. And the reason I picked this uh, topic is because if you rewind back to, you know, a few years ago, uh, you know, it's also with branded entertainment. If you think about product placement, I actually, you know, worked for a while in a product placement agency. I would receive scripts where highlighted areas where we different uh, product categories. I need to find the uh, sponsors. Nowadays, you know, a lot of the uh, brands are moving to branded content where the product is not an afterthought, but it's actually part of the storyline. And you start your whole storytelling creation with the brand in mind. So it's not a separate entity. So to help me unpack this exciting topic, I'm super excited to have Steve Pearson. He's the head of visual storytelling and branded content at US Today Network. So welcome to the show, Steve. Hey, thank you. Awesome. Great. So before we jump right in, you know, I'd like to kind of uh, step back and maybe you can tell us uh, your journey, your backstory, you know, if you can recall what was that magic moment that made you want to get into visual storytelling? Yeah, um, I mean, it's really just a collection of saying yes to things and taking opportunities <laughs> that have always kind of laddered to, you yeah. know, the next thing, right? Like I started off, uh, I was fortunate enough to turn an internship at a, P like a PR firm mm -hmm. into a job. And then, you know, did that for a little bit, moved yeah. into the agency world, did a lot of like design and creative specifically around the um, kind of social boom of having to create content that kind of looked like uh, yeah. user content, but also like had the polish of a brand. Um, and then kind of just keep kept parlaying those types of moves into the careers that I wanted to kind of like move with, which video, like film, video, commercial, all of that, that's always been kind of where I've wanted to be, but didn't necessarily go the route of like film school or something like that. But it's, you know, it's funny because every job that I've taken uh -huh. from school to this point and I've um, has been kind of prepared me for that next role, right? right? Like being a film student, like from a, you know, approach and and kind of so, you know like the visuals and, mm -hmm. and the story 
there's a lot to be said about that. But within this role specifically that I have with Gannett and the Get Creative brand yep. content studio, now full service agency, yep. it's it's one of those things that like I'm bringing that knowledge of PR and agency work and into this role that's allowing me to also flex that creativity and Got it. The ability to bring these kind of stories to life. Uh, I see. And out of curiosity, I don't, you mentioned this, your education was in graphic design or film or completely different area. Yeah, no, I, I went to school for public relations. Um, but I, but, and this is like kind of yeah. a, like offshoot of this. Like I was in a I band see. all oh, the okay. through like <laughs> high school, college, all that stuff. And I was the one that did all of our like website designs and oh, like I see. the MySpace. So I learned how to code because of MySpace right. and things like that. So like huh. just kind of been a jack of all trades. And right. like I said, just saying yes to things and taking yep. those opportunities. Um, yep. And that's been what's really just kind of like everything has has been like everything I've done previously has, you know, I still kind of use today in a way. I see. Wow. This is a fascinating story because I think you have a great lesson here for other folks that are listening or watching is that sometimes, you know, you just need to try new things and, and really experiment uh, the road to, you know, what you're going to end up doing is not necessarily needs to be go through the highway of a film school or becoming a graphic designer I mean, today with the availability of amazing tools of no-code platforms, you can do amazing stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, not to discredit any schooling or anything. Yeah, I know of course. On the same page as that too. But I, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it, for me, it's kind of like, you know, a lot of the resources and things that I've used have been mm -hmm. through, through, through like a non-traditional kind right. of either either shadowing somebody um, or, you know, just kind of being a fly on the wall yep. or things like YouTube or, you know, the internet is just like an amazing resource for like, oh, I don't know how to do this like one thing on Apple. Yeah. Like, how can I, there's like 60 people that have done it exactly. to show you how to do it, <laughs> you know? And it's always at like a, a, a range of like polish or skill, but you can kind of like at least get the fundamentals of that. Yeah, the gist of it. Yeah, of course. And then move on. Yeah. yeah, no, that's, I love this story. That's great. So so now you are the head of the uh, visual storytelling at Gannett uh, and uh, at Get Creative, which is an agency within uh, the USA Today Network. Uh, same, you know, another example is a, key brand studio at uh, the new york times right so it's another equivalent yeah and yeah very very similar our mm -hmm. um and and our roots kind of have always started as a branded content studio and uh -huh. that's that's basically brands come to us looking for um you know a way to get their brand on the usa today network whether that's usatoday.com or like one of our 200 plus publications that we have right. like, ranging from Austin Statesman's Journal, Detroit Free Press. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's yeah. a lot. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, of course. Yeah. Um, but we, but uh, yeah. So because like there's with, with especially with, you know, a uh, public media publication, there's the editorial product, which mm -hmm. it can do, you can do a sponsored by kind of thing. And then there's the brand content. So the editorial, like, that's a brand is just supporting an, an editorial initiative. There really isn't a lot of like, you know, they're not necessarily controlling what 
the editorial team saying the church and state uh, exactly. boundaries are are really and then great content which is like hey <laughs> yeah. we'll we'll do yeah. this like yeah. let's figure yeah. it out um yeah. we're yeah. happy to work with you and yeah and 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 uh try to bring a story to life so we do that through articles infographics listicles interactives and then of course video right. um and then we even have started to do uh like audio to support some of our you know, podcasts that the editorial team has created. That's um, but, but mostly my, my like kind of vertical is within the like photo video world of, of this. A any, any thoughts now with the, you know, uh, Salesforce plus uh, upcoming uh, streaming service for USA today? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see. You know, it's, uh, it's, I mean, and that's kind of the funny thing about yeah. all this, right? Like <laughs> the landscape is constantly shifting. Right. So, you can't get too cozy doing one of anything, exactly. right? Like, um, you know, like, and it's even like how some of the social, like we obviously help like use social to help amplify some of our videos and yep. do that. Um, and we used to cut videos, like very abbreviated videos for social cuts. And then like Facebook, Instagram and all that have now raised their like, you know, an Instagram reel or story or IGTV yep. had a very strict, like, it can't go over this time yep. limit. And now you can post a two hour video on Instagram. Not sure anybody really want to watch a yeah, two hour course. video, yep. but, yep. but you yeah. can do it. And like, and these, a lot of the social, you know, like they went from promoting short form to now they want, they push up, you know, a little longer the long form. form yeah. So, yeah. so you're kind of always shifting and what you were doing previously doesn't always mean that's like, no, thing, of course. Which I always appreciate because, like, that's not my that's not my yeah. style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it also makes it more interesting as you and kind of diversify your products. Mm -hmm. So, as head of visual storytelling, you know, this is a question I'm asking all my guests: uh, How would you define visual storytelling? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, visual storytelling is is literally just, I mean, breaking it up into two, right? Like storytelling is is at its root just telling stories and yeah. um and i think like at least for us what like how i would kind of represent that is in most cases for brands um mm -hmm. and doing it in a way that hopefully isn't doesn't feel like a crazy like a commercial or right exactly something that's it feels like oh i'm getting value out of this i'm get i'm learning something maybe um whether that's about a product or about someone's story or just kind of an initiative um, or like a theme that maybe a brand is tied to or wants to kind of. A quick question, just sub question regarding the storytelling part. Do you kind of go in uh, with the mindset of uh, exploring different story structures or, oh, or are yeah. you just, okay. Oh yeah, no. Um, you know, it's uh, specifically for, for us at, at Gannett, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, we we've done kind of more commercial approaches to things, narratives, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I would say that maybe 80% uh, is kind of in a profile driven story. Like, mm. so it's coming through the, you know, some, a real person, I which see. is because uh, it, a, it, it's a, it's a great way to communicate, make people, you know, empathy, things like that. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, it's kind of native to how USA Today would tell a story, right? Like right. we're trying, we don't want it to be just like a complete bait and switch of like, yeah. oh, you're, you're coming to the story. And this feels nothing like editorial content whatsoever. I mean, we kind of want to, you gotta be careful, right? Like we don't want yeah. it to feel like totally edit, 
but we wanted to have that kind of approach so that it doesn't feel like a complete departure for something that if I'm coming to usatoday.com, right. that it would be different than what I would I see. Yeah. Following the brand book. And you know, in like, and even just the <laughs> yeah. ad experience, right? Like as you're yeah. flowing through, like you're clicking through a story, you're reading a story and then you go mm -hmm. to the next page yeah. and then you go through a story. So it's a kind of similar concept. We don't want it to feel too far from that. Right. Like, right. But then, you know, the beauty of it too, is there is a brand behind it and there's things like that. So um, there is a level of polish and a level of, of kind of craft that goes into these stories mm -hmm. so that not only is it something that the brand feels proud of at the end of the day that we feel proud of and then also um it's it's cleanly right telling the story no that makes um, sense and of, of course then there is the visual side of it you know that's yeah is much, that makes it much more memorable <laughs> right right and that's the visual part of this visual storytelling yeah. is just like um is the, the the thing that kind of allows that you know visual recall and so you're not only like hearing it you're seeing it you're um and you're you're pulling it away because you have that recognition and sometimes that includes the products i'm going to share a couple examples but yeah yeah one is very product driven and then one that's more based around an initiative. Got it. All right. So now that we understand your uh, point of view about visual storytelling, let's kind of zero in on uh, the topic of today. Uh, so when you go uh, and create this cinematic brand video, first of all, how do you define it? What is, do you have a sense of the, okay, this is cinematic versus this is not, uh, are there any various types? Yeah, I think, um, I think, you know, at, at the pure form cinematic is, um, is, is really kind of approaching a, a project with the idea of uh, thoughtfulness, mm -hmm. um, with the resources, with uh, not just, hey, let's point the camera at that thing and then, <laughs> walk, you know, roll on it and then move on. It's setting up lights. It's setting up, you know, building a scene, building a mood, building a look, right? That like when you when you look at the video, it doesn't just jump around. It's, right. it's, it's very even. It has like and the the way that the lighting is positioned kind of gives you and the way the framing and all of those things that like you kind of notice when you watch a you know a commercial or a movie or something yep. like along those lines. It has a lot of those similar you know, characteristics. And you see that a lot now. I think content in general, when you're even watching, I mean, the documentaries of today, opposed yeah. to the documentaries of 20 years ago, is like a huge difference. I mean, there's so much, the way that they film interviews and, mm. and B-roll and things like that. I mean, even, even on kind of the, I would say like, not the best documentaries a lot of times they still look really good and that's sometimes also you know and uh to hide some some you know maybe some plot holes or things like right. that it's like, well it looked really good right yeah. um and it has that visual appeal that maybe hooks somebody in um to just be like oh that's a pretty thing to look at right Got making it. an interview look good right that's kind of the how we often try to like pose this you know opportunity and challenge is like we're coming into someone's space and we're like how do we make this look good 
you know. Right, <laughs> right, right. So, and, so you, you touched on two areas. One is really the production value that it feels like a real film, like uh, even something you would watch on Netflix. Uh, but do you see any different types? You mentioned documentary. Are there any other maybe action story or other types that you, you do normally? Yeah, I mean, I would, like I said, I think our approach is often in that kind of documentary, like, Yeah, we, we call it like branded cinematic doc film. Yeah, yep. it, it changes names, but right. you know, it's kind of just try to convey like how we approach these. Um, I see. And a lot of that is kind of, uh, you know, uh, talent, the person who is uh, who we're focusing on kind of mm -hmm. talking about it. And then right. cover that scene, that interview with B-roll and things like that. Um, but yeah, we've done narrative work. We've done... Um, things we did a, a a fun piece like right before thanksgiving i think it was like in 2019 for mm -hmm. uh one of those like ro robot vax and it yeah. was like it was this whole kind of structure around a family um divvying up chores mm -hmm. and uh <laughs> you know it, it's just kind of like a, a humor yeah. uh approach to the common we're getting I ready see. for people to come over for thanksgiving right got clean yeah um The son always gets, you know, stuck vacuuming and his mom does him a solid and buys this like robot vac and you Got know, it. help him out because, yeah, there's it's oh, a whole thing. But it kind of has this like office, you know, yeah. like, there was the testimonial talking head and then also just kind of the fly on the wall camera yeah. with snap zooms, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. It was oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, you know, w when you work with your uh, clients, uh, Walk us through, you know, what is the process looks like? Is it uh, something that you, you know, Duracell comes to you uh, with a creative brief? Uh, we want to have this uh, business goal, drive awareness or drive loyalty, whatever, maybe how the process starts. And yeah, yeah. So that's and that's kind of the beauty of the, the studio, like brand or, you know, get creative, right? Because each product that we offer. Yeah kind of answers a different KPI that a brand yep. might be looking for, right? Video is often in the like funnel of like awareness, yep. right? Not always the best driver for- uh, Transaction or transaction, sales. Transaction, <laughs> you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, but definitely in that, uh, that awareness part of the funnel. Yeah. Uh, but like things like, you know, listicles and articles that have hyperlinks and things like that, like those are great drivers for that type of, right. like, you know, to get somebody to a site to, uh, to transact, right? Because it's further down in the buyer's journey, they're looking for more details about benefits, features. Exactly. So, yeah. so we have different things to answer. So a brand comes to us with a, um, a, a challenge, whether in, Uh, maybe a loose creative brief or a really mm -hmm. tight one. It's not, you know, kind of yep. just depends. Um, and then uh, we respond to that pro with a total program. And that is going to be, that's going to include things like, like I was listing up before articles, listicles, infographics, hubs, videos, things like that, that then I we see. put together and it's a full program. And now sometimes like a brand will come, they just want a video or they just want articles. And we certainly do that, but, Um, and I think like you kind of already queued up Duracell on how that was kind of this like whole program that we put together, uh, that had a hub, it had, 
you had video. So it's it's a full campaign, basically, as opposed to one project. Yeah. And uh, that, and I guess like this is kind of a good way to kind of move into that, but it turns like what they came at us with was about, um, they were looking to uh, obviously promote batteries um, and storm preparation for hurricane season. And this, this all happened last year. Uh, I see. And so we put a program together. Uh, we worked with an agency uh, that kind of had like a loose idea or not, I wouldn't say loose. It was like pretty fleshed out idea that then we kind of plussed up with our, within our world of USA Today. And, um, and through that, we just put a program together on storm preparation and mm, we had these, what we called storm saga stories, which were, we nice. found people in kind of the Gulf region uh, that had gone through storms and kind of each had a different mm. take. Like we had a right. charter boat captain who has, you know, she's out on the water all the time in the Gulf, right. uh, has lived in the Gulf her whole life and experienced a storm as a child, uh, Hurricane Opal, and kind of what that lasting impact was. There was a woman in Port St. Joe in Florida who uh, <laughs> had just bought a house, <laughs> moved there. And then two days after like putting an offer on the house had to evacuate because of hurricane Michael and it completely destroyed the house. I see. Um, Interesting. And then wow. we had, <laughs> yeah. And then we had a, a, a fella in uh, Galveston, Texas, who was a animal or animal husbandry, which I think is kind of more like he, he oversees the animals in this like park. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like aquariums and they have like kind of rainforest exhibits and things like that right. in Galveston, Texas. And they were hit by hurricane Ike. And he was kind of explaining how they went through that whole thing. Um, and see. these so are it's all really personal so, stories that really yeah, bring up and, bigger points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. those, and that's what makes, you know, I think like that's kind of the challenge with USA today or like with this world, with a public, you know, media publication and yeah. trying to create content is, we don't want to just make stuff up, right? Like, sure. We don't want to like artificially create Greg's story and Galveston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really about you know saying, hey, we're gonna find stories like this to the brand. The brand goes cool, and then we got to do it, right? So we have to we do all sorts of different ways of outreach um, and to find different stories. And a lot of it is we're very fortunate within the USA Today network, because like I was kind of saying before, we have over 200 other publications. Right. And we, and you can draw from a lot of uh, sources. So we have, exactly. So we have, even if we're not like necessarily using editorial teams and things Mm -hmm. like that for this, that the the newsrooms, like they're so ingrained in those communities. They know. So we're very fortunate to have that resource to try to source these kind of, you know, very unique stories to tell sometimes. I mean, a hurricane yeah. story is kind of like if you live in the south like especially the southeast you probably went through one at some point but right. whether or not you have kind of a exciting story to tell is a whole different story right yeah like a, a good story wouldn't be you know the hurricane came through nothing happened and yeah no conflict like, it's there's no story yeah, right right it's about <laughs> finding like oh yeah. man that's a really crazy you know yeah. situation to kind yeah. of walk into so yeah no, that's good. This is really interesting. I was kind of uh, listening to what you just said, and, and you know, it, it's so obvious. You know, unlike a, like a pure brand, you know, like take the Duracell. You know, if they're trying to do visual storytelling, for example, so uh, they need to really come up with great stories. But since you are sitting in a 
media company that is based on, on actual journalists that's constantly crunching stories, <laughs> it's much easier for you to create, to find those stories, as you said, you know, especially because of uh, the network of uh, local uh, publications. I'm kind of wondering, uh, outside the story side, your team is comprised of filmmakers, uh, photographers, do you find yourself relying on in-house or you sometimes outsource for specialty needs? Yeah, so um, our video team specifically is a very small core group of producers and editors. Um, that's kind of our main kind mm -hmm. of goal. And then what we do is we have uh, crew members that we will call on or if we're in a specific area because it's it's one of those things like in most cases i would say 60 percent, 70 percent of our jobs yeah. we're going to them we're I you know see. they're not coming to new york and we're filming on right. stage or something like that like we're going to florida and texas or, i see you know india or austria or wow montana you know like we're going to those places to tell those stories location, yeah. them. Mm -hmm. yep. so sometimes you know depending and it's all budget dependent, right, of who we can bring, who we hire local. Uh, we often try to hire local uh, crew members just out of like, where you, you can do, there's some great things that come of that, right? Like they know, you know, how that area operates. They know where to go. They know how to uh, execute, yeah. They also know where all the good food places are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Instead of being like, oh, where do we go eat tonight, you know? Um, and so, and it's also just kind of the camaraderie that you build too. Right. You go to and, and it's, you never know when you're going to have to come back to some of these places. And yeah. um, so it's fun to have those, to build those relationships and, and work with other talent. And as you know, in my, I often kind of play as like the director on a lot of these. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's also, it's a challenge for me because I'm, I'm not in a situation where I'm always working with the same right or the same uh and sometimes like i'll dp myself depending on like we said budget dependent um but but most of the time yeah like it's that's kind of the fun challenges you can't like it's not like um like jazz right where it's like we right. play with the same guys and they yeah. know where i'm gonna go and what i, I want all the time so you have to really work on your communication skills be like okay like we've never worked together so we got to talk oh, before, we got to talk on the day and we got to talk after like and build that relationship so that it's it's a fun process for everybody involved but also we're getting the it, you know the job done got it and still on the process because it's really fascinating is the creative process uh, includes also the local team that you work with or it's kind of a word down you know this is what the story should be and here you go off to the races or you bring them from the, you know, from day one to kind of brainstorm and help you with the story? Uh, it depends. I would mm -hmm. say most, it's probably most of the time we have that flushed out before we bring on you know, local crew members or things like that. Maybe if I'm hiring a local DP, mm -hmm. I might have those, we might bring them in for those conversations Got it. earlier. But for the most part, it's, it's usually pretty figured mm -hmm. out before they um, before someone is hired. I see. Um, it, that's how it works for us. I mean, as far as like these Got kind it. of form, you know, kind of yeah. videos and things like that, but yeah. 
and it's naturally after the the client already blessed it and and said yeah that's the direction we want to go yeah that's and that's that's really the you know the biggest challenge often mm-hmm. is getting client buy-in and yeah. getting them to feel comfortable right. about this right because they're you have to also remember too it's like uh they're investing a lot of money into sure. this product and you know they want to see success and yeah. uh ensure that we're telling the right stories so there's so much work that goes into this like building treatments yeah scripting storyboarding you know <laughs> the 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 whole profile kind of stories are yeah. a little trickier to storyboard because oftentimes like we're going in kind of blind right to, like what the environment is uh we go we usually talk to our talent once or twice before we actually arrive but i say most of the time we're yeah like we're coaching so them on set with like yeah <laughs> we're gonna shoot stuff that looks like this this is kind of the idea but i see you know we go into someone's house and you're like okay um so it's unscripted in a sense we, got, we maybe need to move yeah. some things around a little bit to yeah. so that the light is falling in the I way see. we want and got that's kind of what we were talking about earlier about like that craft right like we're not just going in and being like cameras up roll roll you know roll camera yeah. roll sound like there's a, we walk into a space and I'll work with the DP and the gaffer grip and the team and it will kind of decide like, okay, we might need to like reposition some of the furniture in the house. Like, so that this, yeah. this window is our yeah. key, our light source. And we're going to use that, um, to either augment or to kind of give that, uh, that nod to, oh, if we put a light here or a right. light here, or here or something like that. Like, yeah, like we see windows here. So it would make sense that light is coming from that. Yeah, you actually remind me of how Fellini used to tell how he would uh, shoot his films. You know, he would never know exactly how it's gonna shape up. You know, he will show up on the set. And as you just described, you know, based on the setting, the conditions, he will just uh, direct uh, the team because again, you gotta improvise based on the condition uh, at present. Uh, You you can't really script everything. Well, and, you know, and we have like our, yeah. our budgets and things like that, you know, there we can, we, our budgets are healthy enough to get stuff done, but like, mm-hmm. we can't bring, I'm right. not going to spend the money on a, you know, uh, Ari son, you know, or something like that to, right, right. because that requires a generator, requires two people, a lift maybe, you know, so this yeah. one light that's like, yeah, you know, maybe <laughs> on paper costs you know, two grand or something like that is right. now turned into a $12,000 thing because you got to hire all these people and have all these, all this infrastructure to make that one light. So we often, our big thing is where's the sun going? How, how can we utilize Lighting, yeah. Yep. And sometimes that means early mornings, late mm. nights, but that's how we are able to like often use that to our advantage. Got it. So now we're all dying to see some examples in after you kind of, we talked a lot about the different uh, ways you produce those cinematic videos. So why don't you share a few examples and maybe share your thoughts? Sure. Yeah. And this will be a good example of what we just kind of talked about yeah. uh, time and light. Right. Yeah. So the first <laughs> one I'm gonna, going to share is uh, from that Duracell campaign that we were just talking about. Um, let me just pull up my screen. Here we go. Okay, can you see that? Yep. Okay. In order to be a charter captain or work in the industry at all, you absolutely have to be passionate about it. 
Every day is an adventure. I'm Captain Brandy. I own a charter fishing business in Destin, Florida. I'm a second generation captain. My dad's been here my entire life. So as you can see, just like what we were kind of talking about, we're shooting, this was all shot on her boat uh, in like around six or seven o'clock, or I think uh -huh. actually it been eight. Yeah. But the sun is low. It's yeah. backlighting her. And that's what's really give you know, like some of these shots, uh, really what kind of give that cinematic approach, right? Like the sun right. is kind of clipping. You can see along her, you know, her yeah. hand. It's not, it's soft. It's not this like, you know, nobody has raccoon eyes or laughing. Yeah. <laughs> There's shape to it, right? And then right. even in the B-roll, like it's, it's kind of creating this mood of, I see. you know, kind of romanticizing of, mm -hmm. uh, of uh, the, the being a charter fishing captain, but also kind of cool that she's a female charter right. fishing captain, right? Like that's kind of a, was kind of a cool thing to pull out of this too, is like not necessarily when you walk those docks, most mm -hmm. of the captains are, are male. So right. Brandy was a very cool kind of uh, profile in that way, but also, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a neat kind of, um, yeah. Did you also uh, kind of pay attention to the color template of the scenes that uh, you want to kind of uh, cold versus a warm colors to right commit? right so we yeah. we often you know for for this story because we're it's kind of funny like often you are I, I mean with a brand story we'd never want it to be like doom and gloom right yeah exactly we're, we're talking about hurricanes and the impact that that faces on people so mm -hmm. we don't want it to necessarily feel like this cool like cold yeah kind of scary thing. It is a scary thing having to go through a hurricane, but we want it to have like a hopeful outcome. So even though we're kind of approaching the scariness of a hurricane, but we're bringing this warm environment yeah. to help yeah. kind of bring the story up in that like, you can do this, like we can get through this, just be prepared. I think make um, some optimism into. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. what was cool about this is, you know, then we kind of brought in her talking about can, her experience with you, Hurricane you Opal. Mm -hmm. tell mother nature what to do kind of build that you know and this is using archive footage i see my first a little bit of sound design to help five or six years old explain the when what we she were leaving for opal i didn't really think anything right. of right. it and then yeah and this is, this is important there right and then circle shots from there we kind of she starts talking about sure, so to incorporate Duracell into this. And the challenge was storm preparation, right? Is she starts talking about what you kind of need to prepare for storms. Mm -hmm. So the primary message for Duracell here was to bring up the, what message? Uh, the, the message was for obviously storm preparation, the things that you need, um, obviously batteries are a huge part right. of that. There's a lot of things that when the power goes out, you need your weather radios, you need your flashlights, you need um, kind of the, to be able to charge your devices, right. things like that. And those are all things that Duracell offers, right? Uh, so they're very, it's a, it's a great kind of product to be, uh, to kind of be included in this journey, right? Mm -hmm. Of, uh, of storm preparation. Yeah. Uh, it just feels so native. Like it didn't feel forced like exactly. when we showed the batteries being yeah. put into the, like it really was part of the story. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It's not like it wasn't. Uh, the B roll is very contextual to the story itself. Yeah, 
And that goes back to what I mentioned in the opening. This is not a, the difference between a product placement versus a branded content where the product is actually integrated into the mechanics and the flow of the story. Exactly. Yeah. So you can see like this is, and then how this all lived on USA Today was we had these standalone video pages where this is the same video that we were just watching. Right. Um, and then we have like the other products were in the series, like this was uh, the woman who evacuated right after she bought her home. And then this is Greg who was overseeing right. the, um, uh, overseeing all of the animals at uh, the Moody Gardens. But I what see. we also did was this stop motion video that was all around um, kind of the things that you need to pack in a storm prepared kit, right? Like what you should Got put it. in. But what was cool about this video, what we did was it has a shoppable functionality to it. Oh, really? Oh, so cool. you can go <laughs> here, yeah, and actually shop for the batteries um on you know one of these and it clicks off to uh what was the response i'm curious what was that what was the response for the oh it was actually you know as far as like click-through rates and things like that like mm -hmm. that was it performed really well it's mm -hmm. uh you know it's a very simple interface yep. uh to kind of show people what to do yep. uh and it's not asking a lot of someone but then mm -hmm. we also included an article too that kind of had you know some of those yeah. Yeah, that's that's cool. Maybe a little bit more more information for that. But yeah, but you can also see like there was a very like that look and that kind of warmth and the way that we know, shot it and lensed it and everything like that and. One of the things that was I was kind of very proud about, uh, specifically with that campaign, was this was something that we produced during the pandemic, right? And and it was it was a fun project because it was like really uh, a small team. It was mm -hmm. just myself, a DP, and uh, at the time my creative director, right? And we were just kind of bouncing around the whole you know Gulf Coast with a van full of equipment. Um, and it was fun because it was really like kind of going back to that, yeah. <laughs> the roots of, of filmmaking and, and doing, you know, trying to solve problems with a small amount of people and sure. resources that we had with us uh, because it was challenging at the time, you know, A, COVID is happening, yep. B, a oh, lot yeah. of the rental houses and sure. the film industry was kind of like in a little bit of disarray because it was like, oh, how do we do this? Mm. Um there was a lot of still confusion on on how to operate but <laughs> at the end of the day we were you know this this program had come through we had talked to our our team and our you know our leadership about hey we think that we can still do this um mm -hmm. and uh it's you know hurricane yeah. season happens when it happens so that, that was kind of the other thing too like this was publishing right at the you know the height of of hurricane season which right. uh, i think is why it also performed really well because it just yeah just no it, it looks amazing and uh, we're going to share a few links to those videos uh, in the show notes uh, for everybody to check out uh, the examples uh, but since you've done so many cinematic videos by now I, I bet what would you say are the top challenges people need to watch for when they think of creating videos yeah, like 
I think it's uh, the biggest thing is, is, I mean, we're kind of talking about preparation, (laughs) but like it honestly, um, I I've heard a, it, uh, this phrase just recently, I was listening to another podcast, but if it's broken on paper, it's going to be broken mm. like together. So if you don't <laughs> have that, like that preparation and you don't have the story figured out or mm. you don't have the approach. Right. Um, and you know, like every good plan, the plan B of every good plan is to throw away plan A, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Improvise. <laughs> yeah. And that's what happens. I mean, we, yeah. ha- I have, like probably a thousand stories of where, you know, we had a really good plan and we showed up and something had to change. We had to do something different. And that's kind of the, you're not in, you know, you don't always have the right tool for the job whenever that happens, but you got to kind of figure out like, okay, how can we do this? What's the, what's going to be our solve? Um, So you got to do to be more adaptive and flexible. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have a plan, but you have to be willing to throw it away and use your learnings and the things that you, you know, your failures. um, Hopefully it's, you know, not a big enough failure that I was like, oh crap. But we, if you, as long as you go and look back at everything that you've done, I think that's also a really important part is that kind of post-mortem and sitting down with your team and being like, okay, like, what did we do really well on this? How can we like make sure that we don't run into this again? Is that something that we can plan for? Or is there something that maybe we just need to be a little bit more on our toes? Were we communicating well? Got it. And because it's like I said before, you know, like when you work with the same people, at least in my core team, it's like easy to kind of get on this, like, oh, how we do things. Right. Yeah. I think it's just like any relationship you know, it, communication is so key and, and ensuring that everybody uh, kind of has like that say in the, in the process, but then also allows that, that time of reflection to be like, what, what can we do better? Um, and how yeah. can we kind of approach this? Cause yeah, you know, sometimes, no, I mean, we did it the w- only way we could have, but right. then, uh, but then other times, you know, maybe there was a different way. Yeah. And tell me something, you know, after you finish a, a project, a campaign like this, uh, you have the visual assets, they've been distributed and, and kind of customized to different uh, platforms, you know, Instagram, maybe you kind of edit shorter or longer. Uh, what do you report back to the client at the end? How do you measure success? Uh, yeah. You mentioned earlier a few KPIs, but can you talk about yeah, that. no so that's 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 a whole part of the the program as well and, and even as the program's optimizing you know mm-hmm. our our content strategy team that puts together a, that you know kind of champions a lot of the articles and listicles and headlines sometimes like they'll optimize headlines mid-campaign to maybe help them drive <clears throat> clicks to those right. pages a little bit more and those ad drivers that we create that kind of coincide and drive to these videos and programs mm-hmm. um so and, and, and just like you mentioned, we'll do like how we have a postmortem internally. Yeah. We also do a postmortem for the client to show the, how we measured against those KPIs that they right. put out and what they wanted to see I with see. these programs uh, to measure the success. And, uh, and that's kind of the beauty of, of digital is you have like digital content is you have so many touch points to, um, to show those yeah. metrics, right? Yeah. I mean, I often laugh, like, mm. there's definitely a place for outdoor media and things like that. But I don't know how, like, the amount of, like, ways that we can show that 
this exposure, yeah, the reach or mm -hmm. yep. content worked or didn't work um, is is huge. Where like outdoor, I mean, it's kind of like, oh, I mean, how did that drive? Did that bring? Was that the thing that influenced somebody? Maybe you know, you really right. just look. Attribution is hard to kind of a reference sometimes. Yeah, so you can really zero into the right. how the program and even you know like. Um, the uh, like when clients provide kind of their own cl like click through links to you know the tracking links and things like that. I mean, you can really see a lot of detail. Right, but for the most part, uh, the, the project that you work for clients are considered uh, classic own media because you're using your own channel, right? You don't uh, buy uh, paid ads somewhere else. That would happen maybe on the client side later on with the access to the assets, but on your part, when you deliver a project or distribute a project, it's typically on your own media channels of USA Today, right? Yeah, and that's the beauty of, <laughs> of you know, content, branded content working, you know, like a branded content studio like a creative or yep. like any of the other media yep. publication is not only are <clears throat> you getting a production of mm -hmm. these assets, you're they're also running on our site. Like we're, yep. we're giving you creation, you know, and distribution, right? So yep. it's not, it's yep. not just one or the other, right? Exactly. So that's really the value in, in branded content. Absolutely. And, um, whether, like I said, it's with USAID or anybody else, it's just, it, you have that, that two kind of tiers of, of an asset or something that a brand really wants, right? Like right. to create yeah. an asset, you know, you guys virtual exactly. <laughs> director, talent, all of a sudden it costs a lot of money. And then you got to find somewhere to put that ad, right? So yeah. uh, that's it's a cool kind of ecosystem that it all lives It has in. a longer shelf life on the client side because they can use those uh, assets later on and just yeah, kind of recycle them. Forever, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This I mean, great. In, in this Duracell <clears throat> campaign in particular, like that we were talking about, like they could easily just. It's evergreen pretty much. They wanted to. I mean, it's pretty evergreen, whether yeah. you're, you're talking about. It's true. And, and, you know, hurricane season happens every year, just like, exactly. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it's, there's, it's it, programs like that, you know, that have that kind of, um, evergreen, they don't, it doesn't have like a short shelf life. I mean, those are the ones that really, I feel succeed in this space because it's, uh, you know, you never know when someone's going to come across it, right? Like, sure. It, uh, you don't get to necessarily control that part of it. And tell me, you know, this is a question I started asking uh, my guests lately, you know, obviously with the pandemic, how's the pandemic has changed your uh, dynamics? Do you find that you produce content that it's more a uh, virtually with virtual teams or talk to me about the pandemic yeah. effects? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like when the pandemic happened, it was like, oh man, how are we going to do this? Yeah. Like, there, was, there was some like, I remember in April, especially in New York, you're just like, I can't even leave my apartment. How are we supposed to do this? Right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, there's, we, I often tell people this all the time. Like when we've talked about the pandemic and I'm a glass half full guy, like yeah. I always will be. And um, I was saying like, if this pan, if COVID-19 had hit in the early 2000s or 2010, mm -hmm. like, I mean, this did not exist at this capability. Work from home was not an option like it is now. So true. Right. So yep. we would have been in a lot more trouble if it right. had happened earlier. Uh, it would have been better if it didn't happen at all. But I think sure. that in some cases, it's really shown like how we progress technologically. It's shown how we've 
were able to kind of keep the lights mm -hmm. on um, and, and continue to work even through a really tough, challenging time and video chat, internet speeds, things like that have been huge. I mean, even, even the ability for us to work on a project, like that's been the biggest challenge, not really mm -hmm. the production, it's the like editing, right? Because, right. Uh, you know, to, you can, you can get an IBM server, but yeah. like that's going to cost, yeah. <laughs> you know, to have that kind of technology to be able to edit off of the cloud and like right. do that. And we're using, in most of our projects, we're using red footage, mm -hmm. which are pretty heavy file sizes. Uh, right. So we've been kind of, that has been the biggest challenge was trying to figure out, okay, like how do we edit projects together? How do we have that kind mm. of review process? How can I jump into a project file? And my editor is, uh, he's a really smart guy and figured out a, right, a, you know, right. an awesome solve for that, that we are able to do that. But yeah, I mean, we did some virtual productions. Um, mm -hmm. They, they definitely have a huge limit uh, yeah. at our, at least from our capacity, because we can't build the infrastructure like a, you know, like a... But it's more authentic. I would say it's kind of reflecting, you know, really the mindset of, you know, where audience is experiencing as well. So I know there was a great yeah, uh, crop of films like that in the first wave of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little more challenging to probably pull those off now. Yeah. Um, you know, we certainly do this still do them uh right. but that kind of i, I feel the novelty uh, effect where we're off yeah well and it's also like okay if we are doing a virtual production yeah. or something like that how do we kind of still add that polish to it right because there's some you know like the actual interview process maybe yeah. kind of at this quality but like can we like shoot b-roll can we create animations right. to help go along with this to, to make it a little more visually interesting so that it doesn't just feel like a webcam um, kind of content. Uh, and we, we did one for one of the brands where to kind of defeat the mm -hmm. crummy quality of a Zoom call, right. we actually shot a laptop like with the blank screen and put the Zoom call <laughs> into the laptop. So oh. that it kind of addressed the like poor audio and video quality right, and it right. shrunk the video. So it's not like super pixelated at like a 1080 output. Right. Um, so like, it's, it's fun things like that. Like to yeah, try it's, to it's finding those flaws that are, you can turn into a feature of your film or part of the story experience. Yeah. I love it. You know, this yeah, is great. So it's yeah, those so challenges. Yeah. Yeah, so kind of a, this is exciting. You know, I really enjoyed the, this conversation. Just to summarize now, what would you say your top three tips for anyone, marketers, content creators looking to create this cinematic uh, brand video? <clears throat> yeah, I think the like we were saying, the biggest one is um, is preparing mm -hmm. and um, and trying to find the you know making sure that you have a good plan going into it and making mm -hmm. sure that everybody is on the same page right you never want to show up especially like when you're like we were talking about clients are spending a lot of money on these videos the last thing you want is for a client to be involved and be like what are we doing <laughs> <laughs> you want them to be totally bought or you know they have that buy-in going into to, to your shoot day yeah um, so that's i would say that's huge that's mm -hmm. definitely number one of the three right um the second being uh be flexible being mm -hmm. prepared to to make changes and also just like anything else you know I, I think a lot of people the 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 
thing that's tricky sometimes um, is the creative aspect of this, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the brand is once again, hiring you to do this. It's their content. Like yep. you need to, like, you want to bring your creativity and your personality into this, but at the end of the day, you're doing it for the brand. And, um, but it sounds they- like you're serving two hats. One is really following the brand uh, guidelines but at the same time, you want to follow the editorial voice of uh, USA Today, right? So it's kind of yeah, so playing it on two hats. We're trying <laughs> to kind of build those two things together, right? Yep. Like you want mm-hmm. it to feel native yep. to both parties. Yes, exactly. A complete departure from one. Yeah. So it's it's really trying to uh, to kind of understand where that place is and how you're solving a problem for them and trying to to uh, to make the best product that you can that everybody will be happy with. And then I would say the third is, um, is just, you know, never, like never, um, never stop learning, never stop Mm -hmm. researching and figuring out like always, like I, I find myself just sometimes just surfing Vimeo or like looking at like trying to be like, how can we continue to evolve our storytelling and the way that we do profile sure. stories, right? Like, because I, I've always kind of said from day one, I never want to be like a rinse and repeat. Yeah. I think, I think in some cases Love that's it. probably very yeah. frustrating for mm-hmm. um, some of our sellers. Cause they're like, Oh, you know, like we want to do it. Like the thing that, you know, it's it, with anything. It, yeah. It's not on your reel. If it's not like, then most of the time you're not going to get hired for that. Right. You need to have, but that's kind of also the reason why, like, we always want to continue to push and, and try to tell stories differently is because uh, I, you don't want to get necessarily typecasted into that one thing, right? Like, exactly. It, and it sometimes it depends, more. it depends on the client, you know, how is it a conservative versus more kind of a oh, progressive yeah. thinking? So and, and you allow yourself from, more. <laughs> yeah. And even from a personal <clears throat> standpoint, if you want to, like, I always say this is like probably the easiest way to do it. If you want to shoot a car ad and you don't have a car ad on your reel, yeah. you're probably not going to get hired to shoot car ad. <laughs> you got to figure out like, how can we leverage, you know, uh, an opportunity, whether that's doing a spec ad or something that loosely has some, maybe a vehicle in it, like shooting right. that part <laughs> and being like, okay, like this is how we're starting to kind of get into that. So um, it's really just pushing the creative, pushing your you know, your abilities, and then also just working with people that know what they're doing. I mean, that's probably another huge thing is just making sure that the people that you're hiring and bringing on know more than you, or, you know, can bring a different product, you know, like perspective perspective into it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Wow. I think we could have talked for hours on this topic. There's so much (laughs) to to, to unpack. This is amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much, Steve. You know, I had so much fun uh, learning from all the great work you do at uh, USA Today. And, you know, for all of you listening or watching, you know, I'll see you in the next episode of the Visual Storytelling Today podcast. Thank you so much. And if anybody, just before we close, they want to reach out to you, how they can reach out? Yeah, no, um, I'm, I, I think my, uh, my website, I can probably drop a link to that. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. We'll put it on the show notes. No yes. Yeah, Steve Pearson dot work. Um, and then, you know, I'm on Instagram, Steve yep. Pearson, on LinkedIn, Steve yep. like that, but, uh, yeah. And certainly, um, you know, our, our 
uh, get creative is getcreative.usatoday.com if you want to see Brilliant. all the other great work that our team produces even outside of video uh got so it it's all there <laughs> so awesome great stuff thank you so much again steve and i'll see you guys in the next episode have a wonderful day and keep those stories coming and inspiring people thank you thank you Visual Storytelling Today is recorded in Miami, Florida. The show is published exclusively by Visual Storytelling Institute. Learn more at visualstorytell.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on the iTunes Store. Until next time, don't let your big story wait to be told.